Praise the Lord. Thank you for being here this morning on this Lord's Day. What a great time of music and worship. Amen. I like that, Where Would I Be? I think we sang that in college. That's about 40 years ago. Was that right? Uh, that's about right. Yeah, amen. Amen. That's good. It's good. It, it, 30s. From the 30s. Is that from the 30s? Oh, well. <laughs> it is what it is. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. What a joy to be in this church. Hebrews chapter 11. We've been through Enoch and Abel and Noah. and uh, We're going to hit... Uh, uh, we hit somebody else, too. I can't remember who it was. But, but anyway, we've been through all these so far, and, and now we pick up with Abraham, verse 8 of chapter 11. Verse 8, would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing where he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Whoo, have mercy. Look at verse 11. Though through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall all thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Father, thank you this morning. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit in this place. We'd ask you to continue to control every thought, every word, every deed, every action. May it honor and glorify you. May nothing distract our eyes off of Jesus this morning. Speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. We'll praise you and thank you in advance for what you're going to do during this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. One of the greatest testimonies of life, of a life of faith, is found in a guy by the name of J.L. Heath. Mr. Heath was a hardworking father of seven children. He worked in a steel mill in Gary, Indiana. He had a meager salary and 
being the sole provider of his home, he knew what it was like to live by faith. He said and has told many times that there were times when he didn't have money to buy new shoes or clothes for his children for school. He also said there were times that he didn't know how he was going to put food on the table. Didn't even know how he'd feed his family, except he just walked by faith and trusted God. He went home one afternoon after work and took a piece of paper and pen and wrote down these words. I care not today what tomorrow may bring, if shadow or sunshine or rain. The Lord I know ruleth o'er everything, and all of my worries is vain. I'm living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. From all harm safe in his sheltering arm, I'm living by faith, and I feel no alarm. Man, I want to tell you, that is a tremendous, tremendous song, living by faith. I can still see Lester Roloff's children's choir singing that thing. Uh, it'll just bless your heart. I want to tell you this morning, God is good. He's a good God. He's an exceptional God. And I'm not just getting that out of a book that I'm reading. I'm telling you based on my experience and what I've seen God do. Our God is a good God. I've never enjoyed life more than I'm enjoying life right now. I don't know how long. I pinch myself every once in a while. I think it's me. Sometimes it's my wife, but I think it's me. <laughs> To make sure I'm awake and to make sure this is, is real. It's, it's an honest to goodness real thing. I, the being here at Woodland Hills and the projects that God has used this church and going to continue to use this church. I, I, I think about our day school and our, our academy. We've got three building projects going on now with that. and We're getting ready to help uh, another organization kind of push forward and start a uh, a ministry on human trafficking that's going to take care of kids and adults both. And uh, we, we, there's, you know, we have now 90 something employees in this church. I told uh, Carla, when it gets to be 100, I'm leaving in the middle of the night. None of you will know where I am. I'm gone. Uh, but uh, God has blessed. And then, you know, we've, we've still got 25 acres out here off of Lake Cherokee that we're going to build a family camp and a a retreat center out there. I'm going to give you a little time to rest before we hit that. But I just want you to know, we're not planning on idling. We're planning on going. We're planning on moving forward and not backing up. I'm happier than I've ever been before. And I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon. I believe that. If I didn't, I, I'm just telling you, I just feel it in my bones. You ever feel something in your bones that wasn't authorized? I mean, I just feel it in my bones that the Lord is going to come soon. So I would encourage you, don't quit. Don't quit in these last days. Don't slow down. Pump up and let's go even faster and farther than we've ever gone before. Hebrews was written to a group of Jews. They were in a big struggle. These folks were leaving their religion. They were leaving their rituals to follow Jesus Christ. They were leaving the people who had been oppressing everybody else to become the people who are going to be oppressed. They're leaving a substance, uh, a shadow, to follow the real substance. They're, they're leaving what's good to follow what's best. They had seen the apostles. They had heard the word preached. They had seen miracles. Many of them had responded to the message. In fact, all of them had responded to the message. 
Some of them had been saved and converted, and they were following Christ. But they had a pull to go back to their old life. Some of them said they were saved, but they never were saved. They just said they were saved. They said they professed, but they didn't possess. And then some of them just right outright rejected the Lord and said no. But I'll promise you this, you're sitting here this morning, every one of you will respond in one way, negative or positive, to the gospel. You cannot hear the gospel without responding one way or the other. You'll either say yes to Jesus or you'll reject him and say no to Jesus. But you, you say, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to be neutral. No, there is no neutral. No, neutral's in cars. This is us. There's no neutral. He that is with me uh, is, uh, gathereth with me. He that is not scattereth abroad. It, it, it's real simple there. These people had been tempted. They'd been tested. They'd been tried. Their families had uh, disowned them. Their friends had abandoned them. They could no longer go in the temple. Uh, they, they, they had no family, no offsprings, all because they left a ritual to follow Jesus Christ. They believed in the gospel. The gospel was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was then. It still is now. The gospel is the believing that Jesus died on a cross, was buried, and rose again the third day. And any part of that you don't believe gets you hung up and sends you the opposite direction of where heaven is. You say, oh, well, I believe in Jesus, but I just don't know that, you know, I, I kind of hold of that theory where it was a swoon. He just kind of was out, you know, unconscious. No, he died. He died. He stayed in that tomb three days. Well, I, I can believe that, that he died, but I, hard for me to believe that he came back from the dead. Well, then it's going to be hard for you to be saved because the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. <laughs> you can ask my wife. She's got a black book. <laughs> and once you get in that thing, it's hard to get out. I, I'm, I'm getting close, though, huh, baby? All right. You can ask her, but I'll tell you one thing. It was no mistake, mistake when I was eight years old and I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I'll never forget that night going to that revival meeting. God had been dealing with me, and my mama sat me down, and she said, whatever you do, do not walk down that aisle tonight. And I thought, hmm. Well, I held out as long as I could, and then I sailed down that aisle. And on the way home, I thought I was going to get, you know, at least a talking to. And my mother said, I just wanted to tell you that to make sure you really meant what you were doing. And she said, I did. Man, I think about the scriptures that talk about our salvation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I give unto them eternal life, they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Behold, uh, beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him and see him as he is. But as many as received him, to them gave 
he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is the record that God had given to us eternal life. His life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man boast uh, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but for also the sins of the whole world god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life i tell you this morning i'm glad i got saved i hope and pray this morning you're already saved if you're not saved this is the day you ought to be saved uh, you, you, listen, there, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. He said, let's go on. Salvation is the getting on place. It's not the end. This is just the start of where we get on. You say, well, people are not going to like me. Well, then go on anyway. You're going to find out people are not going to like anything. You know why? Because they're just like you. You, you want to know where your problem? Go look in the mirror. You know, people are going to laugh at me if I trust Christ. Well, let them laugh and go on anyway. I promise you there's coming a day when nobody's going to be laughing. You say, well, people will abandon me and disown me. You're going to find your best friends you thought were your friends ain't really your friends at all. You see, here's the deal, folks. When we go on, we're not going on by ourselves. We're going on with Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and Savior. I've been lied on, cheated on, slapped, had guns pointed at me. I've been shot at right out here outside of Tatum. I was cursed out, scorned up, down, knocked down. But I tell you, I've never been knocked out. I'm going to continue to go on because I've got King Jesus. And I trust that we'll continue to go on as a church. You say, how are we going to do that? How do you go on when your family abandons you? How do you go on when your friends disown you there? How do you go on when all the foes are hounding us together? You go on by faith. By faith, Abraham. By faith. By faith. You can't go on on your charisma. You know, there's some people just got charisma. They're just happy all the time. You know, they're lying. They get alone and they're mad, you know. They just got a, a, a great face to put on. Your charisma is going to wear out. They can't go on with your reputation or, or the church or who led you to Christ or what home you came from. But I'll tell you what you can go on in. You can go on in by faith, trusting God. You can do like Abraham, like Noah, like Enoch, like Abel, trusting God. The Bible says in verse 6 there of chapter 11, it is uh, impossible without faith to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now just quit being spiritual for a minute. Let's just be straight. If it's impossible to please God without faith, if we're not walking by faith, are we pleasing God? No, that's not a trick question. This is not a trick question. 
If we're not going to walk by faith, we cannot please God. And we need to determine whether we're going to please God or whether we're going to please our own selfish desires. He that cometh to God must believe that God is. Abel worshiped God as we've looked here in chapter 11. Enoch walked by faith. He was walking and God said, hey, we're closer to my house, let's go. He walked by faith. Noah worked by faith 120 years building that ark there. Abraham followed God by faith. God said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And he didn't do it fast enough. And Abraham said, hey, we've got another plan, God. We're going to help you out. You ever tried to help God out? He tried to help God out with Hagar. And you want to know the real truth? We're still putting up with the mess that he created. Right now, even today. We're still putting up with it. You can't help God out. Oh, yeah, God, Sarah's old, and this must be what you meant. No, that's not what God meant. God gave Sarah a baby. That's a miracle. When a lady's 99 years old, that's a miracle. Amen? I mean, that ain't a miracle. That's a miracle. People say, we need miracles today. We need to see more miracles today. Well, who's going to do them? Kenneth Copeland ain't going to do them. Benny Hinn not going to do them. Little Fat Buddha not going to do them. I won't tell you who's going to do miracles today. It's the same God that created the heavens and the earth. It's God Jehovah. He's the only one that can do a miracle. He proved it with creation. He was the only one there at creation. Took nothing and made something out of it. My goodness. Took that old man and old woman and gave them a son. Isaac, his only son. Can you imagine how excited they must have been on that day? Man, when midwife or someone hollered, the baby's here, it's a boy. We knew that. That's what God said he was going to give him. Man, can you imagine the excitement in that house and the astonishment in that town and the neighbors all around? That old Sarah done had a baby. <laughs> my, my, my. Now, if there was ever a man that had a test of faith, it was Abraham. Because God said, take that, that baby, take that boy, take your only begotten son, and you take him up and offer him as a sacrifice. You kill him. Wow. I want to tell you, I had a chance in Macedonia to study, and man, God showed me something I've never seen before here. If you look down at verse 19, it says, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. He, he said, he said I've, I've done a little calculating. I've done some reckoning together. I done, I done took my adding machine and I've added some things up and I've, I've, I've summarized some things and God told me to do something I don't want to do and I've never done before, but I've done a little reasoning. I've thought about some things and I've accounted that he is able. Do you know that today? Do you know that God is able? He's able to do anything. <laughs> now let me tell you, if you're wondering how he passed the test, he passed with flying colors. He passed. Now, here's the thing that 
that God showed me that I've never seen before. Verse 19, accounting that God was able, able to do what? To raise him up, even from the dead. Mm. Can you imagine Abraham telling his neighbors that? Well, I, I'm going to offer Isaac, but if it goes that far, if it goes so far that I actually drop the knife on his neck and I kill him, my God's able to raise him up. Oh, well, let me ask you something, Abraham. Have you got any family that's ever been raised up? No. You ever had a friend that got raised up from the dead? No. You see, if you go back and look at Genesis 1 through Genesis 22, there is never, there is never a mention of a resurrection. And yet Abraham said, my God can raise him up. Mm, I wish I was Pentecostal. I wouldn't be the only one acting a fool in here, I can tell you that. Genesis 1 through 2, you'll never see resurrection. You'll never see anything about God bringing anybody back to life. <laughs> but he said, I, I done done some reckoning. I done balanced my book. I done calculated. I put some, some, uh, some thought into this and some real uh, 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 research into this. And I've discovered that my God is able. He's able to raise him up from the dead. He's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He's Jehovah Nisi, my banner. He's Jehovah Rapha, my healer. I know God is able. If God is able to raise him up from the dead, don't you think God's able to handle your life where you are today? Why would we not trust him? If God is able to do... Have we not thought about it? Have we not reasoned it out? Have we not taken a calculator and added this thing up to figure out that anything that we need in life, our God is able? We got churches we need to plant. You say, preacher, I've heard of that. Why do we need to plant churches? 15 years ago, there were 18 million people in Texas. Today, there are more than 36 million people in Texas. We need to plant churches. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Church, new churches grow faster than old churches. I mean, God has blessed, and we've been just blessed with some tremendous growth, and not only numerically, but spiritually. It's been a tremendous time here. Uh, but, you know, the fewer crankheads you have to deal with, the more you can move on. God's able to build churches. We've got young men and young women that need to be trained. Baptized an 11-year-old over at Mason Creek this morning. He feels God's called him into ministry. Man, it, it oh, Lord, have mercy. There, there's young people that we need to reach and young adults. Uh, we're hurting in young adults in this church right here to to connect them and to put them into the kingdom of God. We got some homosexuals that need to be straightened out. You say, well, I, I didn't know. No, they're sinners just like everybody else in this place. They need to know what the Word of God says, and they need to be convicted by the Holy Spirit, and they need to get their hearts right. It's that simple. Same thing with transgender. This is no new thing. Sin's been around since the Garden of Eden. 
We're not going to condone it. We're not going to say it's all right. That's what everybody else is trying to do. We're going to preach the word of God. It is sin. But thanks be unto God, the mercy of God reaches down and touches us and saves us. We've got a government we need to pray for. Good Lord, we ought to be on our face 24 hours a day for that. I don't know how God's going to do it. Don't know when God's going to do it. Don't know who God's going to use to do it. But I've learned enough about my God that he's able. And I'll be honest with you, I'm just telling you my heart. I've heard all my life about how God used Baptists. God has used Baptists. But if we want to renege and if we want to start compromising, God can use somebody else besides Baptist. My God is a burden bearer. <laughs> you got any burdens? You heavy labored this morning? Cast your cares on Jesus. He's a heart cleaner. He's company when you're lonely. <laughs> He's a bread when you're hungry. He's water when you're thirsty. I know he's able to do all of these things. Abraham lived by faith. Are you willing to do that today? You know, every theologian believes that I've read, believes Isaac is probably around 21, maybe 22, could be 20, somewhere in there. Certainly big enough young man that he could have whooped the old man anytime he wanted to. And one time he stops and he says, uh, hey, Dad, uh, we got the wood here and we've got all this stuff ready, but wh wh where is the sacrifice? And you remember what Abraham told him? God will provide the sacrifice. Don't worry about that, son. God's going to provide the sacrifice. At any given time, I, Isaac could have said, you know, enough of this is enough, Daddy. I've gone along with you and I've supported you and I love you and you've been a good daddy to me, but what you're doing now just plain outright silly and I'll bet mama don't know a thing about it huh <laughs> any given time any given time Abraham could have said all right God enough is enough I, I got my son and I thank God for my son I can't kill him that can't be your will I just had to miss you I didn't hear you right something's not right I'm gonna quit right now but he didn't at any given time, walking up that hill toward Golgotha, our Lord could have said, all right, Daddy, enough is enough. I've sacrificed. I've, I've tried to teach disciples. I've tried to minister to people. I've healed people. I've helped people. I've encouraged people. I've fed people. I've raised people from the dead then. He said, enough is enough. But he didn't. He went all the way. He went all the way. Isn't it amazing that here comes Abraham and Isaac and they're cutting through the bushes. And they're climbing a mountain. And there had to be some places where they had to stop and just literally climb. And they're working their way up to the top of that mountain. And all along, unbeknownst to them, on this side of the mountain, God had a little ram that was working his way through the bushes and climbing up the mountain. And they're all going to meet together on top of the mountain. And Abraham's got his hand raised. And every time you see that hand raised there with that knife in it, you know Abraham is determined that he's going to follow God no matter what the cost is.
And God says, stop. There's the sacrifice. Mm. Wonder when Abraham decided he was really going to follow God. I mean, did he, did he, <laughs> well, I don't want to have a lot of did he, did he, but I think before he ever left the house, God, I done reckoned, I done added this up, I done done some accounting, I've done some thinking here, and you're able to do all things. So God, if you told me to do this, God, I'm going to trust you. And he headed that direction. What a man of faith. What a man of faith. Before they ever left the house that morning. I want to tell you, folks, this church has got a great opportunity to be a lighthouse for God. There's no doubt we're a little bit different from other churches. <laughs> You've got a country preacher. That's one thing that's big different. There's a lot of educated people in Longview. A lot better preachers than what you'll hear here. Lots better. Much more theologically sound and they know, you know, I, I know all that. But I'll tell you, we've been riding the cloud of the Holy Ghost here for 20 years. And I'll take him over anything else there is. And we've got to continue to sacrifice. We've got an opportunity to be a greater lighthouse than ever before. We've got buildings that need to be completed. We've got souls that need to be saved. We've got people that need to be trained. But it's going to take some sacrificing. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. But he doesn't stop there. He said, that's your reasonable service. For a God who left heaven and all of its throne to come and die on a cross for my sin and your sin, our reasonable service is to sacrifice for him. You see, it would have been much easier if God would have said, just kill a sacrifice, offer it up. I mean, when the dude's dead, he's dead. You kill that ram and he's dead. And you can just put him on the altar and you can barbecue him all day long, just turn the heat up. But when you get a living sacrifice, and you put that living sacrifice on the altar, and that heat begins to get hot, somebody begins laughing about your faith. Somebody says, your family, they're, they're all going to follow you. You're no, you're no good. You're not a good provider for them. Somebody begins to gossip about what this is and what that is. And somebody says, all that church wants is your money. They don't want anything but your money. And if you're not careful, you'll be just like the children of Israel. You'll want to pull yourself off of that altar and back off of it. Say, Lord, I, 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 I need to go back. God is showing us this morning, don't go back. Don't go back. <laughs> don't question the sovereignty and the authority and the power of God. Don't question the word of God. People today, it's now, it's 57% of pastors in a pulpit. That's counting everybody do not believe the Bible is the true Word of God. 57% of the people who are standing behind this sacred desk say the Bible is not totally true. It has errors. Forty men 
penned this book. Over 1,600 years, Old Testament and New Testament has never been proven anything wrong in this book. I'm telling you, it's the Word of God. Don't you doubt it. There'll be people that'll say, oh, you need to put that Bible down. We've got a new Bill of Rights. We've got this. There's no such thing as just absolute truth. If it's all right for you, then it's all right for you. If it's not all right for you, then it's not all right for you. But there's all this stuff of absolute truth. Listen, I don't need a new Bible. I don't need a revised Bible. I got my Bible. I'll be honest with you, and I'm, I'm not... I'm just going to go ahead and say it because you know me anyway. I, I have my King James Version Bible. Uh, now, you don't have to use that. You can be wrong if you want to. <laughs> no, I'm kidding with you. I have an uh, uh, ESV Bible. I read out of those. I love those. They are easier to read. But I, I just kind of think maybe sometimes in our... Uh, hurriedness to make things easier for everybody what, what would it hurt if you read a King James word and you had to look it up <laughs> I mean he sojourned so I have no idea what that means well look that up he traveled I, I, I'm not I'm not not all I'm just saying is the Word of God in the original language here that that it is complete without error. It is penetrating. It is preserved. It is spoken. It is piercing. It is provoking. It's the Word of God. Don't let people tell you, hey, that, you can't go by that book anymore. Has God ever let you down? You know, if you go back to Genesis 12, let me finish. The Bible says God called Abraham out in Genesis 12. Genesis 14, he said, Remember, Abraham, I chased your enemies down. That's when Lot, his nephew, was over there in the enemy's camp. And then in Genesis chapter 15, he said, I covenanted together with you to put you in my family. In Genesis 17, I changed you up. You were looking at Sodom, and I said, Abraham, you don't need anything in Sodom. Get out of Sodom. Go the other direction. I clicked on you in Genesis 21. I carried you through in Genesis 22. How did you get saved, Abraham? Oh, well, I'm a, I'm a wise man. And I knew I needed to follow God. No. No. You got saved because the same Holy Spirit convicted you that none righteous, no, not none, not, not one. And he lifted you up out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's how you got saved. I, I love this old song. It's been around, but the last five years, it's been my theme song. It says, Lord, I started to walk in the light, started out to walk in the light, shining upon me from heaven so bright. I bade the world and its follies all ado. I started in Jesus, and I'm going through. I'd rather walk with Jesus alone and have for a pillar like Jacob a stone. Living each moment with his face in view. I started with Jesus. And I'm going through. 
I'm going through. Yes, I'm going through. I'll pay the price no matter what others may do. I'll take the way with the Lord's despised few. I started with Jesus and I'm going through. Father, I pray this morning there are those sitting in this congregation they need to start with you today. They need to be saved. This is their day of salvation. I pray today, Lord Jesus, you would convict them of their sin, help them to realize they cannot save their self. They've got to come to you and ask to be saved. Lord, there are others that need a church home. I pray, Lord, if it's your will they come here, then God, you, you set that up. You make that happen. If it's not, please show them where they need to go. Everybody needs a church home. There may be many here today that said, I started out with Jesus, but I'll be honest, I, I kind of withered by the wayside. Today, Lord Jesus, I want to come and just recommit my life. I want to come and say, Lord, I started out with you right, and I want to end up with you right too. I want my family to end up with you. Would you have your way in this congregation today? In Jesus' name, amen.